Landon Donovan's era for the U.S. men's national team has come to a close, and it's now time for some new faces to start a new era for the U.S. men's national team. This is the SBI Show. I am Garrett Cleverly. With me in Florida is Ivis Kolarsep. What's up, buddy? How's it going, Garrett? It's going well, man. How's Florida treating you? Pretty good, pretty good. The weather's uh, beautiful. Um, we got down here on Sunday morning. Uh, the U.S. Uh, got here after the game up in East Hartford. And uh, obviously there's new faces. Uh, well, some familiar faces are in camp now. Some of the veteran the veteran contingent has arrived. Uh, but before we talk about that, we got to talk about Friday in that Ecuador game. Ecuador spoiling the party. But it was still a pretty good send-off for Mr. Landon Donovan. Yeah, it was great. I mean, great first half performance from the U.S. men's national team. couple changes in the second half. And, uh, you know, Ecuador was really able to turn it up. But, I mean, I, just, I thought it was a fitting tribute to Landon Donovan, uh, the, pres- uh, the present that was presented to him, the, the different jerseys cut up to form one jersey. I thought that was really cool. It was, it was great to see uh, his fellow teammates, Landon Donovan, you know, you know, try to tee him up for a goal, consistent passes that back heel pass from Josie Absolute was unbelievable. Too bad Donovan could have put that away. But, it, you know, Donovan didn't get the goal, Ivis, but, but it was a nice send-off for him, though. No, it was a great night. Uh, obviously, the fans uh, made it special. They they honored him, and uh, you know they had the nice tifo that they made, and uh, you know they obviously celebrated him throughout the evening, and then he obviously capped it off with uh, going into the crowd and and then leading them in a in a in a rendition of I believe, um, and you know obviously they had the video uh, kind of montage that that almost had him in tears, and uh, mm-hmm. you know he handled it he handled it pretty well. I mean when you think about all the emotions involved and he goes out there and he actually played a pretty good game. You know, yeah. if he, if he, if he, uh, you know, if not for the game that the galaxy had on Sunday, you know, if he could have played more, you know, you would have liked his chances of scoring a goal or setting one up. And he came pretty close. Obviously he hit the yeah. post. He had one shot saved. He had one shot go wide. Um, but overall just a great, uh, a great night for him and a great night for us fans, uh, to kind of show their appreciation for him. And, for me, I'll, I gotta give I gotta give Donovan credit because one of the moments that stands out for me is after the game when he uh, when he uh, was asked what what did Klinsman say to him when, <laughs> uh, as he came off the field and, and Landon Donovan without missing a beat said uh, he told me he should have took me to Brazil. Just kidding, <laughs> um, and uh, you know it was un- it was hilarious. <laughs> you know it's like it just shows you how you know he's at peace he is with the way everything has gone and obviously. He, I'm sure you still would have loved to have been in Brazil, but mm-hmm. everything happens for a reason. And, you know, who knows? You know, maybe maybe he was meant to not be there, and, and it was meant to help him reach this decision to retire. And, and you really get the sense that he is completely at peace with that decision. Yeah, you know, bringing it back to what you said, I, I kind of noticed that Donovan also uh, had a little couple tears in his eyes during the national anthem, too, right before they went on. And, uh yeah, the, the interaction between Landon Donovan and Jurgen Klinsmann, it was kind of interesting. It seemed like Jurgen tried to embrace him a little bit more, but Donovan kind of like was like, okay, no thank you, and then kind of went around it, but then was like friendly with everyone else. I did notice that, Ivis. I didn't see that. Yeah, I, don't know. I think you're reading that. a lot. I don't know. Maybe I'm trying to read into it, but but it looked like Jurgen was trying to play nicer than Landon Donovan was. I, I know this is this is you know water under the bridge at this point. but I just thought it was funny that you know Klinsmann tried to kind of clear things up on the whole uh, – a story gate and whether whether or not he really did speak to Landon or if his son really did apologize to Landon and uh Klinsman's answer to that was that Landon Donovan had changed his phone number and his email <laughs> and therefore he didn't get he didn't get the email from Klinsman's son and he didn't get the messages from Klinsman so I guess that clears that up that's the story they're going with you know at the end of the day all that doesn't matter now it's water under the mm-hmm. bridge they've moved on they had their moment donovan had his night his evening he deserved it and i know some people kind of came away with it or there were at least some people who thought it was too much maybe he didn't that they didn't need to do all that but you know what if there's a player uh in u.s history that deserved that kind of night i think it was him and uh credit to him well bringing it back to the game Ivis, because that's the important thing that was on friday u.s men's national team ecuador that was a 1-1 draw uh, we saw a lot of good performances from some guys, Ivis, who are kind of going to be the new face for this U.S. men's national team, as you said, bringing on, you know, Land- with Dan- Landon Donovan leaving, it ushers in a new era. And we saw a couple guys step up. You know, DeAndre Yedlin had a great game, mixed discrewed, Ivis. Uh, I mean, he continues to impress for the U.S. men's national team. Greg Garza looked electric throughout the match. Uh, I mean, what were your just kind of original thoughts on the match walking away from Friday? 
<laughs> my original thoughts as opposed to my uh, well you know your thoughts, thoughts do change your, your, thoughts do, your, your thoughts do change you know you know when you watch it for the first time and then, and then you kind of you know go back and you know watch some highlights then you know some things change on certain guys that you you made a you know you know some guys you know think maybe you had a bad performance but then you rewatch and say well like i had a good performance vice versa well why did well, why do you want my original? Uh, why wouldn't Why would you want my new and improved? <laughs> okay, what, I just didn't okay. get the use of what the are word new, original. What are your new and improved thoughts then, Ivis? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I thought some guys did well. You know, I thought DeAndre Ellen did well. I thought Greg Garza did well. I thought Mix Mix this group's man of the match for the second straight game. He looked really comfortable out there, and and it, it just the combination of of his movement and his confidence on the ball, his confidence passing. He's really coming into his own and. Uh, you know, it has me wondering at what point does he make the move away from the Norwegian league? And, mm-hmm. and look, nothing against nothing against Norway, but I mean, I think the kid's got some real quality, and, and I think he'd be better off in a better league. But you know, that's a story for another day. I thought he did well. Garza did well. I thought Bobby Wood, you know, was pretty active, even though it was a frustrating night for him. Uh, you know, some real chan- real good chances that, that, you know, he I'm sure he would like to have had back. But considering it was the first real playing time that he's ever gotten for the national team, I thought he did pretty well. Yes. Attention, Bobby Wood. Be a little more selfish next time. Just rip it when you're that close at net. Uh, you know, but yeah, he did come in. You know, before he came off, Joe Zhao, you know, it was nice to see him out there. You know, hopefully that, that injury says he's out till January. Uh, you know, hopefully he's able to come back and make a full recovery. But, you know, some other guys did stand out. Ivis, uh, you know, Brad Guzan continues to impress. Timmy Chandler, Ivis, I thought he had a good game on Friday. He did. He looked good. He looked good. And uh, it's interesting, uh, the fullback situation with the U.S. team, because you have Timmy Chandler, you have Greg Garza looking like a really good left-back option. And then you, let's not forget about Fabian Johnson, right? Mm-hmm. The, the world, You know, the guy who did so well at the World Cup. Um, and then you have DeAndre Yedlin. So I think, if anything, it's Klinsman's got to be feeling pretty good about his fullback options going into the new cycle because if Greg Garza can be your 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 legitimate, natural left-back starting option and Tim Chandler can be your you know natural right-back option, all of a sudden you have Fabian Johnson and DeAndre Yedlin that you could play in a higher, up, in a higher position. Mm-hmm. Um, Fabian Johnson, we've seen him look really good as a winger. Now in this, you know, in the, obviously at the World Cup, we saw DeAndre Yedlin look dangerous as a winger. So all of a sudden, you're talking about a faster team, uh, potentially more dangerous team. So I think, you know, right now you really need to watch how Garza and Chandler continue to develop because if they can be the answers at fullback, it opens up a lot of uh, possibilities for Klinsman. Well, okay, bringing that back to DeAndre Yedlin, I mean, what do you make of Jurgen Klinsman putting him out on the wing? Because when you look at kind of the stats that – DeAndre had in this game. I mean, he completed the majority of his passes uh, in Ecuador's half. I mean, he he just looks so comfortable out there as a winger. I mean, do you see this as a permanent position that that Jurgen may use for him going forward, or is it just kind of this is a one-off match? He's he's continued to impress as a winger. You're going to keep him there, but you know, in reality, you know, you're going to bring him back and have him play fullback. I mean, where do you kind of see Yedlin going forward on this? Well, I mean, he, it's not a new thing, right? I mean, at the World no, Cup, not, is, no. at the World Cup, he showed he can be a threat there. Obviously, from a technical standpoint, is he is he the most technical winger you're going to see? No, but the speed is an issue. The speed causes problems for opponents, and you know, at the end of the day, he's not the best defender. I mean, I don't think anyone would argue that. Um, so, if you can put him in a position where you know he can maximize his the abilities that he does have, you know, maybe playing him in a wing role can benefit him and benefit the U.S. team. So, um, it's I don't know if that's that's I don't see that necessarily being a change. Uh, for him on the club level, but I think he, it makes him a more versatile option for Klinsman. And you know, I'm not saying he's going to lock down the winger role for mm-hmm. the U.S. in the next cycle, but he look he's looking pretty good. Uh, what do you think of the guys that Jurgen brought in? I mean, Homer Gonzalez looked pretty good as a substitute. I thought Tim Ream looked pretty good. Uh, you know, nice to see that depth that the U.S. has of that back line. What would you make of their performances? Well, you just said it. There you go. They, 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 they did well. I love when you do that, when you do the whole, uh, let me tell you what I did, and then now you can go ahead and feel free to throw. You know, you could pick one and then let me do another. But uh, no, just kidding. Omar Gonzalez, he's, you know, he's, he's, he's legit. You know, he had a good World Cup. Uh, you know, he's. I think he has shown that, you know, he can be an option, he um, be a starting option for the next cycle. Um, and Tim Rima, you know, I've always – thought that his game is pretty good you know when he can uh control the kind of defensive miscues and i think over time now as a start at bolton he's he's been able to kind of solidify his game and and be a better option Michael Oscar i thought did all right um 
in the starting role. I thought John Brooks struggled a bit, but I don't think anyone should have been surprised by that, considering the fact that he hasn't been playing at Hertha Berlin, so he's not going to be that sharp. But uh, I thought Orozco did pretty well for himself. So you've got a couple of different options there, um, and, and I'm curious to see who Klinsman goes with now uh, going into the next game. Well, one player that Klinsman is not going to have is Joe Jao Ivis, who's going to be undergoing surgery and at least out till January. Uh, you know, what do you make of this at a player at his young age? Do you think he's be able to fully recover from this? You know, kind of where does this put him now? Well, we we won't know. I mean, I think it, if anything, Dortmund uh, looked at it and decided that it's better to just clean it up uh, and have him come back and be 100% instead of, you know, not having the surgery and risk having it become a lingering issue. He's still young, uh, and you'd like to think he'll be able to recover uh, from it. Uh, obviously, if it was a meniscus issue, you know, sometimes meniscus ish, uh, injuries can be, you know, can become a lingering thing. Uh, hopefully, in his case, it's not. He's still young. So, you know, hopefully he can recover. And it's just obviously it's really sad. It's really disappointing uh, for the U.S., for U.S. fans and the U.S. team because he really was coming into his own. He came into this camp with a lot of confidence. I mean, when you look, you know, we were able to see them train a few days uh, and he really looked like the most dangerous player on the field. And I really think, you know, he was at a point, the confidence he had been gaining at Dortmund that, you know, he came into the national team set up really confident, believing that he can make a difference. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's unfortunate that, you know, now he's not going to get that chance to really show what he can do. And you just saw that natural ability in Joe Jow, especially against Czech Republic, ability to, you know, put your head down, dribble through players. We saw that a few times in this match. Uh, you know, so speedy recovery. I mean, he's an exciting player to watch, and we hope uh, he's able to come back 100%. Moving on, Ivis. U.S. will be playing Honduras, as we said. You're in Florida for that game. Jurgen Klinsmann has called in the big guns, bringing in Clint Dempsey, Michael Bradley, Jermaine Jones, Graham Zuzzi, Matt Beasler. What do you make of Jurgen bringing in these guys? Obviously, it makes sense uh, since these guys will have a, you know extended number of days before the next, next games for Major League Soccer. Right. I mean, I, th- I think he obviously had to work around the uh, the MLS schedule and let these guys stay with their teams for some pretty important games. Now we have a chance to really see a lineup that's going to look a lot closer to the the, the, the strongest possible uh, U.S. lineup when you, when you think about who, who kind of the first choice options are right now. Um, you know, guys, someone like Jermaine Jones is still in the mix. It's not he's not ready to retire. Mm. Klinsman, Klins, I mean, I, considering the World Cup you had, I don't think anyone should yeah. be shocked by by him still being around. Uh, Clint Dempsey, you know, obviously Michael Bradley's back. I want to see how that group plays now with some of these new guys. You want to see how Mixed Discrude fits in with with that first choice squad. Let's remember, Mixed Discrude didn't play a single minute at the World Cup. At the World Cup, you have Greg Garza. You want to see how he fits in with those guys. You know, hopefully he gets the chance to start. So. Uh, I really am interested to see that mix of of some of the younger guys along with the people that we've grown used to being the number ones, like Beasler, uh, Jones, Bradley, and Dempsey, and, and, and Altidore, obviously. So, you know, we're going to get to see that now. Let's not forget, Altidore got hurt pretty early in the World Cup in the first game, so mm-hmm. we didn't really get to see the full U.S. team that off, that long in Brazil. So we'll finally get to see it here, hopefully, against uh, Honduras. Well, with these uh you know the, the veterans of the U.S. men's national team coming in. I, is it safe to say that all of them should be starting, or could we possibly see Graham Zuzzi on the bench because John DeRozan had such a good game? Uh, that's that's uh, it's an interesting one. You know, I, I think that's going to be the biggest decision uh, of all the line all the lineup decisions. I think Yedlin or Zuzzi. I think you'll go with Zuzzi. You know, I think he's still you know a veteran player and and someone you you, you kind of want to see partner with a Chandler. Uh, you already got to see Yedlin and Chandler together, so why not? Uh, you know, why not give Zuzi his run out with Chandler? Um, so from that standpoint, I think we'll see Zuzi. Um, I think I think of the guys who played in that first game. I think Disgrude and um, and Greg Garza stand out for me as guys that I think you want to see start. Uh, what do we look at the midfield, Ivis? It gets a little complicated here. You have Jermaine Jones, Michael Bradley, and Clint Dempsey. And then you have Mix Disgrude, who had a really good game. I mean, how does Jurgen get all four of those guys on the field at the same time? It's pretty simple, man. You play four two three one. Uh, you play uh, you play Disgrude and Bradley together, and then you play Jermaine Jones out left, like you did at the World Cup. Mm-hmm. So, problem solved. There you go. And I would say this: is, is <laughs> you say you say it like it's so simple. <laughs> well, it is absolutely. I just laid it out. No, but, but I would say, I would point out 
uh, talking to Jermaine Jones today, he was playing a little coy and saying that he and Klinsman had been talking and that he could be in line to play a new position uh, or to be in a new position real soon. Now, I don't know what he meant by that. I don't know if he's going to be target striker. Actually, what came to mind from I was just you, know, Can you imagine kidding, him with his mad runs. Oh my gosh, it'd be great to watch. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, maybe he'll finish chances, but uh, uh, I think you know what? Let's think about Jermaine Jones as a central defender. I mean, with the quality that he has and and the toughness and his ability to read the game, um, you know, he's not getting any younger. He's going to be thirty three next month, and maybe he can prolong his career a bit playing in central defense. It's just a thought. Um, I still think he's going to play in the midfield, but. Jermaine Jones did seem to want to kind of give away give away a secret or give away a surprise uh, talking to media on Monday. So we'll see. We'll see if uh, Klinsman uh, deploys him in a in a in a position we haven't seen him play before. Well, and I think especially we saw with Jermaine Jones, I was the discipline that he has. I mean, he showed that at the World Cup. You know, in previous times that we've seen Jermaine Jones kind of be a little more hectic around the field, but at the World Cup, you know, sticking Jermaine Jones, I mean, he really stuck to the role that Jurgen gave him. So I think that can, you know, alleviate some fans, you know, freaking out and saying, him at center back, oh my gosh, he's going to disappear. You know, know, Jermaine Jones at the World Cup, I mean, I think he showed everyone that he can play the position that Jurgen gives him. No? Right. I mean, I think think Jones has earned the trust of the U.S. fans at this point that, you know he's a player, and he's someone who can uh, you know get the job done wherever you put him. So we'll see, we'll see where 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 this new position is that that uh, Klinsman has planned for him. Well, for the most part, we've kind of gone over the whole team. Uh, you know, in goal will be Nick Romano that has already been established. Uh, biggest question I have is though, next to Matt Beasler, who gets the start there? I mean, you have Omar Gonzalez, uh, you have Orozco, you have John Brooks. Who starts next to uh, Beasler? Well, actually, I think uh, I think Omar Gonzalez uh, was sent back. I'm pretty sure. I don't know if he's going to be. Uh, I don't think he's around. Uh, if Omar Gonzalez is around, then I think he go Beasley Gonzalez. But I don't think Gonzalez is in camp anymore. If he's not, uh, then I think Michael Orozco. I think you could see Orozco get a ch- get a chance. And uh, I, I know you have Brooks there, but you know I think of the two, I think Orozco's in better form right now. Um, it's going to be one of those two. I think Beasley will start. I don't think Reem will be uh, be the guy just because you know him and Beasley are both left footed. Uh, and I don't know if he's going to want to pair, pair uh, two left-footed center backs together. Although you'd have a really technical combo right there because Tim Ream is a really good passer. Matt Beasley is a really good passer. So who knows? Maybe maybe Klinsman will want to play around with that a little bit. Um, but yeah, that's going to be one to watch for sure. Uh, you're right. Omar Gonzalez did head back uh, to the LA Galaxy, and then with you know with, without having to say this, I mean Greg Garza obviously gets the start on the left side. Prediction though, Ivis, what do you think is going to happen? Give me give me a score. Uh, Hunters, you know, they're not a pushover. I think they know the U.S. pretty well, and you know they they're going to bring in a pretty good team. So I think it. I think we'll go low scoring game, pretty tightly contested. I'll say one zero USA, uh, and we'll go with a Josie Altidore goal. The U.S. needs like a. I'm going to say four one. Ivis, the U.S. needs some goals. I, I know it's just friendlies oh. and whatnot, but I mean we we need to pound Honduras. Uh, just because you need them doesn't mean you get them. And Honduras is, uh, you know, they're 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 a handful. So, you know what? It'd be nice to see goals. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think if the U.S. can just get a win, I think that'll be a good a good uh, confidence booster for some guys. And I just over the weekend reports came out from Europe that the U.S. men's national team it came. Oh, sorry, this came from the Croatian uh, Football Federation that they will play the U.S. Uh, men's national team on November 12th in London. Ivis, I mean, look, this is obviously a great opportunity for the U.S. to play a quality European side in in uh, in London. Thoughts on this? Croatia, good opponent, some real quality, uh, real skill, especially in the midfield. I think it'll be a good test. Uh, you know, they, they didn't necessarily look that good at the World Cup, but I still think they have a lot of quality. When you have guys like Luka Modric and Ivan Rakitic, I mean, serious, serious quality in midfield there. So that's a good test uh, playing in the uh, – Clint Dempsey's old stomping grounds at Fulham. And for the folks who aren't listening to the show on a regular basis, yes, Garrett is kidding. He knows it's not pronounced Fulham. <laughs> he just likes – he's just joking. Even though, to be fair, Jurgen Klinsmann, I think, also says Fulham. Does but, he um, really? No, he said it once. Be... Yeah. Yeah. He said it once the other day. I don't know if he was making fun of you or – you know. I think oh, yeah, because I'm sure Jurgen listens to this show in his free time. 
You never know, man. You never know. I we got I a lot of that. we ah don't don't sell yourself short. But anyway, um, no, yeah, that's a good. T- I think it's a better test in Ireland, and uh, you know what? We'll see what the what the lineup will look like for that game. You know, if uh, if Klinsman's gonna bring every single player that he can, or if there's gonna be players that are tied up due to uh, due to the MLS playoffs. Uh, even though I think the MLS teams are the, even the there's no playoff games around the time of those games. Um, but you still have to wonder, is Klinsman going to pull guys who are getting ready for conference finals uh, and have them play in these games? So I, th- I think he probably will. So maybe November will be the first real chance to see a true, true full-strength U.S. team. If, or in a, and if he doesn't, I mean, we could kind of see maybe the same players that featured in the Czech Republic friendly, and, and that was still you know, a strong squad that Jurgen Klinsman was able to put out against, against Czech Republic. Eh, it was okay. Wasn't that okay? It wasn't. It's it's a good squad. Nitpicky. All right. Chances that you, it was. <laughs> it, you're being nitpicky. Chances, Ivis, that you go to Europe for these games. I'm me. No, I'm not. I'll be. I'll be hanging back home. Lame, man. I'm just. Come on, Ivis. We should take the SB. This is when we should be taking the SBI show on the road. <laughs> no, we'll, we'll, you don't even. Well, you're, you're not going to make it to MLS Cup, so I don't think we're going to have. That's a, not true. A SBI. That, that is not true. I'm I'm still negotiating MLS Cup. Mm, not holding my breath on that one. Although <sighs> there's a possibility it'll be in LA, and I'm sure that'll help. That if it's in LA, I can guarantee that I will be at MLS Cup. I can guarantee that, Iris. The leash, the leash extends to LA. I like it. <laughs> 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 this is what we need a soundboard yeah you need a soundboard so you can yeah keep hitting <laughs> all right well i miss enough of that this past weekend we did have some major league soccer games we did have some very big upsets vancouver whitecaps went in and defeated the seattle sounders at home one to zero the player that just seems to be the thorn in the side of the seattle sounders uh, Kakuta Mane squid the goal right before halftime. Uh, Vancouver just played unbelievable in this game. Kendall Watson just played out of his mind. Vancouver clogged up the middle. And, uh, I mean, I was a huge win for the Vancouver Whitecaps, and it greatly increased their playoff chances. They are absolutely in the driver's seat, and you have to give them credit. They get a win against the Towners team that had been playing really well. Um, if you're the Portland Timbers, you have to be worried because right now, the Whitecaps are playing with confidence. And their last two opponents, you have to say, winnable games for Vancouver. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Portland has tough games against RSL and FC Dallas. Um, and so right now, Carl Robinson and, Dwight, and the Whitecaps have turned it around. And considering the, what's happened the last couple of years in Vancouver with late season collapses, it looks like they finally are going to have a different ending to this, this, uh, this script for them. And it's looking really good right now. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, what do you make of? Uh, I mean, Seattle Sounders. Ivis, look, they have three losses in their last five matches. Uh, I mean, is this cause for concern, or is it just Vancouver just played out of their mind and had one of their best games of the season? They played a good game, you know. They played a good game. Seattle could have been sharper, obviously, and you always have to look at the opponents that teams are beating when they're on a decent streak. And you know, Seattle did get a couple of results against some weaker sides that might have, you know, had people a little misled about where they are. Um, but look, they're still right in the thick of the Supporter Shield race. They're going to go into their two-leg series with LA, having every opportunity to finish first in the Western Conference. And I don't think we should write them off just yet, just because they've had a few hiccups. That's, I think they're still one of the favorites, one of the MLS Cup favorites. Uh, I still have LA ahead of them. But I think Seattle's going to be fine. I think they're going to do well in the playoffs, and I think they're going to push LA. Uh, well, just, hey, look, this loss, and with, when we'll talk about LA Galaxy, uh, but it just steps up for that great home-and-home home series, the final two games between Seattle and L.A. Galaxy. Moving on to the Eastern Conference, Columbus in Philadelphia. Ivis, you just have to shake your head if you're a Philadelphia Union fan. You have Zach McMath back in goal. You're thinking, oh, this is great. You go up 2-0, to zero, and then all of a sudden, just like that, Columbus crew score three goals in four minutes and take the victory. Uh, I mean, Ivis, just a total meltdown for the Philadelphia Union this weekend. Just when you think you've seen it all with the Philadelphia Union, they find a way to go and sink even lower. When they had the Ryzen Bowley blunder, you you looked at that and you thought, man, this is this is a nightmare. But that seemed like a holiday compared to 
having your team go from 2-0 up to giving up three goals in a, in a blink of an eye and seeing your playoff hopes eliminated just that quickly. I mean, let's be let's look at it. If Philadelphia wins that match, uh, we're talking a completely different landscape. They they will have cut the gap on Columbus, mm-hmm. still get it, still having the chance to play Columbus one more time. They had their destiny in their hands and they gave it away. They crapped the bed. There's no other way to say it. And credit to the crew. You know, we we keep talking about what other teams don't do, but the crew give them credit. They have finished the season. They're finishing the season on an outstanding run. I think it was 6-1-2 and two in their past nine. And to do that, having sold Giancarlo Gonzalez, and I'll be the first one to say, when they sold him, I thought, look, okay, they're trading in you know, their best defender, um, and it's worth, and the money that they're going to make off that is worth more to them than, say, getting in as a wild card. But what do you know? They go and sell their best defender, and they still keep it rolling. They still get the results, and uh, and you could argue they're playing even better now. So uh, results like this, performances like this, comebacks like this are only going to boost their confidence. I'm still not sold on them as, as a team that's going to make real noise in the playoffs, mm-hmm. but just to get to this point and get into the playoffs, uh, um, have they clinched yet? Uh, actually, they, they haven't. They haven't clinched yet, but at this point, like a lot has to happen for basically, basically Toronto they, FC. A lot has to go for Toronto FC, who's six points out of the playoffs right now. They have to lose both their games. Toronto has to win both their games. And the chances of that happening are pretty slim. But cre- credit to Greg Berhalter. Uh, you know, they started off the season 3-0. and There was a lot of reason for optimism. And then, obviously, they really hit the skids in, on the re- in the results department. But credit to Berhalter. Ber- he kept it. He kept at it. He, he, he got his team to buy into his system. And now the second half of this season, they've really started to find their – they find their form, find their rhythm, and they've had players step up to provide attacking support. And that was always the question with the crew. Who was going to step up and be uh, the second option, the third option? Because it couldn't just be Federico Higuain. It cannot just be him. And what have you seen? You've seen Ethan Finley and Justin Merrim just have so you know come up big on so many occasions this season. Mm-hmm. And they did it again this, t- uh, this time against Philly. And they're they're a dangerous team. They're a dangerous team. I think they're they're going to be a, a handful, especially in the East, where you know it, it, uh, you feel like it's a little bit more wide open. But uh, credit again, credit to Greg, Greg Berhalter when you when you sell your best defender, and you don't, and it's not like you have some DPS to lean on like other teams have uh, to ha- to have them where they are right now. Uh, he deserves a lot of credit. Uh, looking at the Philadelphia Union, though, Ivis, um, since that loss to Seattle Saunders in the U.S. Open Cup on September sixteenth. Uh, they have a draw, loss, draw, and loss. I mean, can you put some of that blame on the U.S. Open Cup loss, or is there just a lot of hap- happenings right now that has just kind of put them on this downward spiral? Spiral. Well, I don't know if it's necessarily the Open Cup loss that that forced them into a tailspin. I just think, you know, they they the the, the seeds were sown for this late season collapse. Uh, when, when you look at Obviously, the rise and bully fiasco, and then from a mental standpoint, them having to get over that—that uh, was always going to be a tough thing. And uh, I do find it funny that you've got some people coming out of the woodwork now and 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 kind of dancing on Jim, the, the grave of Jim Curtin's coaching career, and pointing out that maybe he wasn't such a hot to trot prospect, and maybe the union were smart not to give him a new deal. And I and and I, what I would say to that is. I don't think that's necessarily a fair uh, assessment of the situation because you know what? At the end of the day, the union did not back him publicly. At the end of the day, they did not give him the job. And I know some people will say, well, he should have earned a job. But at the same time, um, maybe he does things a little differently if he has the job guaranteed heading mm-hmm. into next year. Maybe he doesn't start Risenboli in that game because he's worried about his future. Maybe he goes with the player that he should have stuck with in that game, Zach McMath, and then maybe things are different because you know what? If they don't botch that game against Chicago, then it, it's kind of the whole butterfly effect thing. You know, it, they win that game like they were like they were expected to win that game. They go into this Columbus game with a completely different mentality. But when you have bad things happen, it just snowballs, and that's what ended up happening here. Uh, New York Red Bulls, Ivis. Uh, you know, speaking of Toronto, Columbus, and all that, New York Red Bulls defeated Toronto FC three to one, and at this point. Toronto City is not eliminated from the playoffs. They have to win the next two. Columbus has to lose their next two. But at this point, Ivis, it looks like Toronto City's playoff chances are at like 
percent New York three one victory for them. Bradley Wright Phillips, I was three games away from breaking the record. All three goals uh, in the first half for New York. Just a very impressive performance from New York. I mean, this is what you want. Toronto sees a, a lifeless team. If you're New York, you want to go out and you know beat them quickly and, and put them down before you know before you give any that team some hope of hey we can still make the playoffs. Right. I mean, the credit to the Red Bulls. Their 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 form at home this year has been really impressive, and they've really been able to step it up. And uh, credit to Terry Henry. I thought he played a really good game. I thought the game plan for the Red Bulls was pretty clear. They wanted to disrupt Michael Bradley. They wanted to put pressure on him. He's the focal point to that team. And you saw Terry Henry put in more defensive work, I think, than he's put in all year. In try, you know, he he was basically spent a lot of time hounding Bradley, uh, closing down the space and not giving him room to operate, while also being dangerous on the counter. Um, and hey, Bradley Wright Phillips, he scores another goal. Um, is he going to break the record yeah. with two, with two games? I don't think he is. I don't think he is. Um, I, I think it's a little tough. Um, they're playing Columbus, who's not not a, not a pushover, and then they have to go to KC. Uh, break the record? I don't see him scoring three goals, but tie the record? It's a possibility, but I think it's going to be tough. Uh, Toronto C, since they're not in the playoffs, Ivis now, and they have yet to make the playoffs in franchise history. I mean, what, what what does this mean? I mean, we, we can talk about more in the offseason, but just quick reaction to Toronto FC with the money they spent this offseason and not making the playoffs. Well, you have to start with the coach and the coaching situation there. If we, I, 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 Not that many people will remember, but when we did our preview, our season preview, I remember thinking they brought in a lot of talent they have the talent to make the playoffs, but the question is, will the coach be able to put people in the right places? Will he be able to put them in the system to make them succeed? And I think I don't think he did that. And I know some people will say, oh, you know, Toronto had injuries and Ryan Nelson, you know, he didn't have a, a legitimate ch- chance because of those injuries. But I'm not buying that. I, I think they had they still had plenty of talent and they, they definitely underachieved. And I can think of so many games where when you looked at the quality that they had in their lineup, and they just didn't get the results that they should have been getting with those players in their lineup. Um, are they going to have to break things up like dramatically? I don't know about dramatically, but I think you're going to see Jermaine Defoe leave. And I think you have to, if you're TFC, you have to solidify your central defense. And you have to look at trying to find a defensive midfielder um, who can kind of anchor the midfield and allow Michael Bradley the freedom to get forward and to really create. And I, I think it is funny that, the, the the exact player that could help them is Matias Laba, the player that they had to get rid of uh, to bring in their other DPs. And now Matias Laba is a driving force in Vancouver's playoff push, and he's exactly the kind of player that, that TFC could use right now because I tell you what, a Michael Bradley-Matias Laba tandem would be pretty, pretty impressive. So, you know, if you're TFC, you've got some things to work on, but I don't think they need to blow it up. I think there's quality on that team. There's talent on that team. Um, but they, the leadership, leader, locker room leadership is a question mark there, and there's some key key positions they need to address, like central defense and and defensive midfield. Uh, New York Red Bulls, Ivis, though six one and two, like Columbus in the last nine, they are they are playing very well right now. I mean, what what type of team? I mean, are, are they going to the playoffs? I mean, do you think they're going to continue this and, and be a dark horse, or, or kind of what do you see as their playoff outlook? Uh, well, they need to show me a little bit more on the road. Before I go and giving them a chance as a, as a true title contender, uh, I, I would still have to go with the Red, uh, go with DC United if they end up matched up in the playoffs. Uh, and I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure the Red Bulls would beat KC either if they get matched up in the playoffs. So for right now, I think they're going to be a handful, no doubt about it, and uh, especially at home. But over a two leg series, um, I think their defensive struggle. I think their defense. I think their defense. It, it leaves something to be desired. I, I'm not completely sold on their defense to be a championship caliber defense. Uh, over in the Western Conference, FC Dallas second half comeback defeated LA Galaxy two to one. Player continues to have impressive season for FC Dallas. Fabian Castillo with the game winning goal in this one. Ivis, that's now ten goals for him uh, on the season. Yes, you can say LA Galaxy were without. Uh, Robbie Rogers is not playing this game. Robbie Keane and Marcelo Sarvis. Uh, but look. FC Dallas didn't choose LA Galaxy to play at this time of the season. And for FC Dallas, I guess, this is a huge victory uh, for them because, now, I mean, they're chasing that third spot in the Western Conference right behind Real Salt Lake. Right. I mean, it's, you know, they have, they have kind of have a, uh, they have a, a, a possibility of catching RSL for third. I don't, I don't think they will, but, the, you know, if they can manage to do that, 
I think that'll be huge because, you know, you don't want to have to play that four or five game. You don't want to have to play that extra knockout round game that all of a sudden puts you in a hole in uh, and into the semifinal when you're playing on short rest uh and, and uh, you don't want to be the four of the five so that that's that's a big win for them to put some pressure on rsl and now rsl has to respond rsl you know they they have, they have to play portland you have to go to portland so a place that are you know rsl had their share of success against portland uh in the past couple of years so that that's going to be a great game to watch um but i think i think you know what that that one's a, a coin flip at this point uh, FC Dallas, what do you make of them as a playoff team? This is the first time in the playoffs for FC Dallas since 2011. I, was, uh, I mean, when everything's clicking for FC Dallas, they look like they can beat anyone at any time. Eh, I don't know. Um, uh, full strength against the top teams. I, I, I still, I mean, look, Oscar Pereja, great coach. You know, you can definitely, definitely argue he deserves a lot more coach of the year consideration than he's getting because, you know, you, you can look at it, you can definitely look at it and say he deserves it over Ben Olsen uh, because obviously the DC United turnaround was as much about rebuilding that roster as it was about Olsen's coaching job. And look, Olsen's has done a great job, not to take anything away from him. But I think I don't think you can look at DC United and their record turnaround and put the entire credit for that on Ben Olsen's coaching acumen. It wasn't that. When you bring in, you know, Bobby Boswell, Fabiana Spindola, Davey Arnault, Sean Franklin, Eddie Johnson, Steve Birnbaum. I mean, that's, you know, that's a half a, a lineup yeah. right there, right? A half a lineup of veterans and a really talented rookie. Yes. And, but then you look at FC Dallas, and 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 it was it's really close to the same team that didn't make the playoffs for DC for FC Dallas last year. And you know, he took that team and he made them better. Clearly, clearly better. Mm-hmm. He made Fabian. He helped make Fabian Castillo clearly clearly better so you know what for me i right now i'm casting my vote for fabio uh, for oscar Pereja, coach of the year um so f- you know i will see what happens over these next two weeks but from that standpoint you have to give fc dallas a chance having said that uh you know the top two is the top two and i still think rsl is is ahead of fc dallas when you think about teams out west now i feel the same way about oscar Pereja. it's just uh ben olsen look he's, he's had a great year but I mean, like you said, a lot of those guys are veterans. Some of those guys have been capped by the U.S. Men's National Team. Uh, look, I, I agree. Oscar Pereira, Coach of the Year. Uh, staying in the Western Conference, Chivas USA. What the heck is going on, Ivis? Second win in as many games, defeating Colorado Rapids 2-1. to one. Here's the crazy thing. For as bismal as Chivas USA is, Montreal Impact and San Jose Earthquakes have less points than Chivas USA. What, I mean, what, what's going on, Ivis? All of a sudden, word of them being sold, and all of a sudden, everyone starts winning. Break, break up Chivas USA. Oh, wait. Um, uh, you have to look hats off to Wilma Cabrera hats off to these Chivas USA players to respond to what's clearly an adverse situation an unfavorable situation and to go out there and play and and still perform and put together some wins in a season that's really been a lost cause you have to give them a lot of credit now obviously these guys are playing for their lives their careers if they if they want to latch on to an MLS team or you know work, you play their way into new contracts you know they have they have no other choice but to perform and they have and look the win last week against RSL you got to give them credit uh that's a that's an impressive victory against a good team but um you know the, the, this win, uh, you almost weren't surprised by it just because, you know, the, the way they've looked. Looking at Colorado Rapids, though, uh, first-year coach, Pablo Mastroeni, wh- what do you make of him in the offseason? I mean, is, his, is his job safe, Ivis? Or, I mean, what's, what's Colorado's plan here? Well, I actually wrote a piece for Gold.com breaking down the first-year coaches uh, and how they've done this year. And Mastroeni... You know, he had no coaching experience. He was given the job formally just before the start of the season. And if you're going to put a coach in that kind of situation, you have to give them more than a year. You have to invest time into giving a coach an opportunity to grow into the job. And, uh, yes, the season's been a nightmare, especially the second half of the season. The wheels have completely fallen off. Um, But having said that, um, what did you expect to happen when you give a rookie coach with zero experience as a head coach, when you give him the job, what do you expect? He's going to have issues. He's going to have growing pains. 
Um, obviously, they did have some injury issues uh, this year, but but you know, look, it, it's been a nightmare, no doubt about it. The second half, the way the, the season has collapsed for them, mm-hmm. but there's reason for optimism. There's a lot of good young talent on this team, uh, se- several of which have stepped their game up this year. When you want to talk about a Dylan Serna, the rookie Marlon Harrison has really shown to be be, be a quality prospect. Uh, and then you know Shane O'Neill's been dealing with some injury issues as well, and, uh, but he's still a great prospect. Dylan Powers, everybody knows about him. So there's a nice nucleus of talent here. The issue for Colorado going into the offseason is getting better at signing uh, foreign players, and 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 you know a lot of the signings that they've they've made lately haven't necessarily panned out. And I did find it interesting that they went and signed Zat Knight, uh, the big uh, English defender, uh, toward the end of the year. And I don't think he's the answer either. I, I don't think by any means he's he's a legitimate option. So instead of looking at Pablo Mastroeni and his struggles as a first-year coach, let's look at the front office and start asking some questions about when are they going to get better at at you know locking in some top-notch international impact players because – you know, when you look around the league, the teams that that really kill it are teams that can do that, and and they haven't done that. They haven't uh, they haven't landed a Diego Valeri type player or Javier Morales type player who's just turned the season around. Uh, since uh, June twenty eighth, and that's when Major League Soccer picked up the second half after the World Cup. So if you use that as the benchmark, Colorado has two wins since then and eleven losses, and with games against FC Dallas, Vancouver Whitecaps. I mean, it looks like Colorado is going to be ending the season on a long, winless streak. Last victory was against Chivas USA on July 25th. Sporting Kansas City uh, defeated uh, Chicago Fire 2-0. to Ivis, uh, this is another turnaround game for Sporting Kansas City. Their defense over the last you know, month and a half hasn't been the greatest. It's a second shutout in as many matches uh, for them. I mean, I mean, is, is this a turning point for Sporting Kansas City here? I mean, do you think this is an opportunity for them for Ivis to climb back up and, and kind of be that team where that, that MLS uh, – Cup defending team. Well, I don't, it's it's not that dramatic. They're a good team. They're better than the Fire. They beat the Fire. It doesn't have to be any deeper than that. Um, I, you know, I think they're a veteran team. I don't think they necessarily need a confidence boosting result. I think you know, you're if you're if you're sporting KC, you're supposed to beat the Fire. And and if anything, maybe you're a little surprised that the Fire actually didn't tie for once, considering <laughs> they, had, they, had, they they got like forty eight ties this year, but. Um, uh, look, Sporting KC is going to be fine. I've been saying it for a while. Uh, are they necessarily the the favorites to win MLS Cup this year? No, I don't think so. I think I think the 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 injuries that cost them a lot of their depth has worn on them, and I think that's going to cost them when you get to the playoffs. I don't think they're going to be as fresh a team as they were last year, um, but still, they're going to be a handful. And I think if we do get that New England Sporting Kansas City semifinal series, that is going to be a doozy, no doubt about it. Uh, Montreal Impact, New England Revolution played to a 2-2 draw. Ivis, uh, a few months ago, I mean, you would have said this is a victory, but Montreal has really uh, turned it on here late. Uh, much tougher tie to, side to play against, excuse me. Uh, New England Revolution, uh, look, it's it's another point for them. Ivis, uh, you know, fortunately at this point, they're probably not going to be able to catch D.C. United, but still, I mean, a second-place finish possibility in the Eastern Conference. I mean, good turnaround for them after kind of the, the that's that's slide they went on midway through the season this year. Right. I mean, I think, look, the Jermaine Jones impact is, is still being felt there. You have Lee Wynn, who is absolutely, for my money, someone who deserves who who deserves more MVP consideration than he's getting. Um, for my money, I think Robbie Keane's the only guy that you can outright say um, it has a really strong case to be even ahead of him. I know some people will say Bradley Wright Phillips, but, you know, I think I think you can make an argument that Terry Henry is, is is just as valuable on that team, if not more than Bradley Wright Phillips. Lee Wynn has really carried that New England attack. I mean, it's just uh, it's just impressive to see. But look, New England's playing really well, and they're a team. I know <laughs> I know last year I didn't give them much of a chance to compete for the title, but this year with Jermaine Jones there, with Lee Wynn playing the way he's playing. Uh, they they could they could do it, man. They could get to the MLS Cup final, and then w- with the attacking weapons they have, um, they could they could pull off the surprise. They could be that kind of surprise uh, Colorado Rapids like coming out of nowhere team that wins the title. Real Salt Lake defeated San Jose Earthquakes two to zero. This is a big victory for RSL Ivis because FC Dallas is breathing down their neck uh, for that third spot in the Western Conference. But uh, look, Real Salt Lake clinches the playoffs. And they did what they need to do, take care of business against San Jose Earthquakes after suffering a loss uh, last week. Good bounce-back victory for them. 
Yes, there's not much more to say. RSL, they needed the win. They got it. San Jose, uh, a season to forget. And uh, it's time to start getting that Dom, Dom Kinnear contract uh, uh, written out and started up. Uh, I think that if you if we could if Vegas had a line on Dom Kinnear being coach coach of San Jose, I would be putting some money on that right now. Uh, and DC United defeated uh, Houston Dynamo three to one. I believe Ivis that this is DC's first ever victory in Houston in franchise history. Uh, Taylor Kemp had a very good game. Eddie Johnson had a goal in this game, and uh, DC pretty much what they did was. Uh, pretty much eliminate Houston from that possibility of Houston being able to sneak into the playoffs. So a uh, big victory for DC United as they look like the team that's going to finish first in the Eastern Conference. Yes, the Houston Dynamo, uh, we kept waiting. We kept waiting for them to see if they'd come back to life. And, and you know, Dom Kinnear, you can never count them out. You can never count them out. But now it's over. They're, they're, they they can't make the playoffs now. Um and and it's you know talking about San Jose and talking about probably the end of an era in Houston. Dom Kinnear, I don't think he's going to be back, and and I'm really interested to see who Chris Kennedy and the Houston Dynamo front office uh, turns to uh, to be the new boss. Uh, you know, I know I know we shouldn't discuss it in detail until Kinnear actually accepts the San Jose uh, job, but that's something to look on, look at this offseason. season. Uh, who comes in there? Um, you know, I'm hearing, you know, you, you hear, you hear rumors that, that, you know, the Dynamo are going to be sold, uh, by the end of the year, we'll see if that actually happens. And it, it's a, it's kind of a, it's the end of an era. I think, I think it's coming to a close in Houston and, and, you know, as much as this season's a disappointment, uh, it's, you still have to look at Don, uh, Dom Kinnear's time there and, and become away pretty impressed with the multiple MLS cups and, uh, a consistent, a consistent, uh, playoff team and a consistent team, MLS Cup finalist. So hats off to Dom Kinnear and the job he's done there. And with that, Ivis, that closes out our MLS weekend action recap. Uh, before we say our final goodbyes, I think we need to do another head-to-head Q&A. So do you want me to ask first or do you want to ask first? You go first. Okay. What is the first rated R movie you have ever seen, you saw as a kid? Oh, wow. That's, uh, that's a tough one, man. It's either... It uh actually wait, I want to say Terminator. No way. I want to say the original Terminator. Um, let's see, what year did that come out? In the, the original Terminator in theaters. It came out in 1984, so I would have been 10. So it's either Terminator or Colors. Let's see when the Colors came out. Colors must might have came out after. Actually, no. Yeah, actually, Colors Colors was four years after. Uh, yeah, I think Terminator. I think Terminator. 1984. Um. Oh no! You know what? What? Wait, in theaters or, or anywhere? Uh, well, how about both? Both in theaters and 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 at home. I mean, it sounds like it's two who, different movies. Then who remembers this stuff? What kind of question is this? I, um, I remember the first R-rated movie I ever saw. This is what it's about. It's about you wanting to tell the story about yourself. See, you're totally missing the whole point of the. the no, the actually, I'm surprised because the first R-rated movie I ever saw was Terminator. I think I was like five when I watched it. My mom did not. My mom was pissed when she came home and. We were watching Terminator with my dad. <laughs> so, so, so you're serious? Yeah, I swear. Terminator was the first. That, and it was on VHS. So, so we both saw so the Terminator. <laughs> I think it's hilarious. Look at that. Yeah, well, we're like brothers, dude. See, they, see, they, this, it, this it, is why, this it, is why it, we do a show together. It all makes sense. Yeah, actually, uh, to be fair, I think Warriors might have been the first, uh, the first R-rated movie that I saw. Warriors. What's that movie? You never heard of the Warriors? No. Oh, I feel like you've talked about this one before. Uh, I did. I told you to watch it. Yeah, Come on. I haven't watched it yet. I think I was five when this movie came out. So uh, Actually, I was four when it came out, so I don't think I saw it in the movies. But I, I remember it being like my favorite movie of like my early childhood. But huh. in the movies, I remember I remember being in the movies and seeing The Terminator and thinking it was it was just crazy. Well, yeah, at that time, I mean, it was, it was scary, dude. With, you know, machines killing people. That, that movie freaked me out when I was a kid. Well, the special effects at the time, it seemed amazing. Now oh, you look yeah. at it, it's like so cheesy, but uh shows you how far we've come. Yeah, it's crazy. All right, your, All right. your turn, man. Okay, let's see. Uh, your favorite? Well, you don't watch TV, so I can't even ask you TV questions. Um, well, I do watch TV, but everyone made fun of me for the TV shows that I watch. <laughs> this, this, this is true. This is true. Okay, if you're, on a, you're stranded on a desert island, you can only have one album to listen to. For the rest of your life, oh, what al- what album would it be? Um, 
I would say Blink-182, Enema of the State. Okay. Well, <laughs> and, like, and, and why is that? I don't know. It's it's. It was one of the... Okay, first... <laughs> it was one of the first CDs I ever bought as a kid, and it has that, you know, very attractive women in the doctor's outfit on the cover you know so oh, when so i bought it as a kid you know, it's like it's like you so know nostalgia the- you know and, and then the, and then i know all the lyrics to you know all the songs i, I like blink 182 man i grew up i grew up with blink 182 so this is a multi-use material is <laughs> that, that's not what i'm implying Apple cover instead that's of not bringing- what i'm implying except i did have a big crush i'm sure like every guy i'm like all the spice girls but i would not bring that cd but i would bring enema of the state you have a Spice Girls to do? Uh, no comment on that one. I was just you just admitted <laughs> just went on record as saying you have. I don't know why I had one as a kid. I don't know. I don't, I don't think I bought it. I think someone bought it for me, or my mom bought it for me. I'm not sure. Well, as far as I go, uh, if I could <laughs> pick one album, it's a pretty tough call, man. It's a pretty tough call. It'd be it 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 probably be between Enter the uh, the the Wu Tang Wu Tang Clan's first album. Uh, Raekwon, uh, only built for Cuban links because that's a classic um, for hip hop. If you're a hip hop head, um, uh, Ready to Die, Notorious B.I.G. I think any of those three would, would 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 last listening to it over and over and having it be the one album. I think I'd have to go with one of those three. God, look at look at the difference. And <laughs> hey, man, that's what we, you know. We listen to what we listen to. I know. I just it's it's <laughs> night and day between the music you. <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah yes sir <laughs> oh, your turn man. your turn uh what was the last dessert you had um oh <laughs> uh it's called uh tres leches it's a cake it, it means three milks and it's really sweet it's just so delicious i had it uh, a few days ago uh i highly recommend it if, if it's it's spelled T-R-E-S, like the Spanish for tres, for three, and leches, which is milk. So tres leches, next time you're in a Spanish restaurant um, and they have desserts, order that, and, and hopefully they don't know how to make it, and it'll be like one of the best things you ever have. Would you, you had it at a, a restaurant or like a... Actually, I picked it up at a, at a Colombian restaurant um, for my wife, actually, because she... She uh she's a big fan of it and um it's not I wouldn't say that's like my favorite dessert of all time but, well, yeah, it's, but it's the last it's one up, that you had yeah it's it's up there it's in my top three desserts with uh, along with like Junior's cheesecake and and flan and other Spanish uh, uh, dessert wow look at you all right your those, turn those are pretty I mean I, I would say those are advanced desserts like if it's those? a college class like these are like three hundred four hundred level desserts I would say no they're legitimate des- you yeah. know what we'll, well, uh, they they have Spanish restaurants where you are. Kind no, of, no, right? but I'm saying like if you're asking me for desserts, like I would say like a banana split or like strawberry ice cream with rainbow sprinkles. Ah, uh, come mean, on, that's basic. Like basic. That's basic. Yeah. That's basic desserts. Come on, man. Or like pumpkin pie is that? That's basic, right? Tiramisu is probably as fancy as you get. Yeah, I don't like tiramisu. I I don't I don't like it that much. Next time we're next time we hang out, I'll I'll make sure and uh, you have one of those one of those Spanish desserts. Okay. I feel, I feel bad. My desserts are like very like ten year old little kid compared to yours. <laughs> yeah, what a banana split? Is that what you said? <laughs> Wait, what's wrong with banana split? I, I see nothing wrong with that. Uh, that's pretty hilarious. Um. <laughs> uh, okay. Let's see. Uh, what question can I ask you? Um, first album you ever bought? I just told you. Oh, oh, oh I bought. Okay, the Spice Girls. Yeah. I didn't buy. It was Blink One Eight Two, Animal of the State. I think that was the first one I bought. Or, or he said Spice Girls. Or no, it wasn't Spice Girls. Or I think I bought, um, uh, Green Day Nimrod possibly. Or Offspring was that Americana? I believe. Yes, Offspring Americana. Actually, I think it's Offspring Americana. I have never heard of this stuff. Yeah, this is like crap that like kids in cul-de-sacs. And middle, middle, you know, middle class kids. I mean, that, that's what we listen to. We listen to like this punk stuff. Okay, so the first album I ever bought with my own money was "Raising Hell" by Run DMC, and it was actually the Wax album. And my grandmother had a, a record player, and so I bought the album, not even having my own record player. I bought it, and then I would listen to it 
on my on my grandmother's record player. So that was the first album I ever bought. The first uh, and the first uh, cassette album I ever bought oh my was was uh, Boogie Down Productions. Um, which, which album was it? Their their first album. Their first album, um, Criminal Minded. I'm pretty sure that was the name of the album. That's a classic album as well. So just uh, that's going that's going way back right there with the uh, Raised in Hell, which I think was like '84, '85. Um, and then Criminal Minded, which is like late 80s. Yes, Criminal Minded, you are correct. That was the first one. came out in 1987, the year I was born. Wow. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Does that... I, got, I got cassettes older than you. Oh, saw. my God. It came out March 3rd. A little, that is literally about two weeks after I was born. Wow. <laughs> you were buying you cassettes, and I was just born. <laughs> I have, yeah, that's right. I have albums older than you. That's right. That is crazy. All right, your turn. Your turn. We're gonna do a few of these. I, I hope hopefully people enjoy this, and oh, we can man. try to do it a little more often. I gotta think of one. Hold on. Uh, don't worry. My next question will not be related to music. So okay, I, fine. I, you want to go ahead while I think of one? No, 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 no. Uh, Should have prepared more. Uh, more easily. More. You don't prepare this. It comes up on the fly. Um. Crap! You said the desert island. Uh. Okay. Okay. What is your okay biggest fear? biggest fear i don't really think about stuff like that man i don't really have i don't i'm not okay 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 maybe that that but like okay okay let me think about this one then what what do you think what would be the worst if you like let's say you died right you know jumping off a building or or fire worst death what would be the worst death in your opinion uh uh vat of acid i guess i mean i don't know i i I mean i feel like if you Anything involving getting shot in the head is probably quick. Uh, getting hit by a train is probably quick. Um, falling into a volcano is probably not fun. <laughs> so um, getting eaten by a shark is probably not fun. I'm going to go with, yeah, like a falling in like either a volcano or a vat of acid would probably be the worst. Okay. How about you? Uh, yeah, I agree with so, that. Terrible. I say... Terrible question, by the way. I know. Well, I couldn't think of anything. Uh, I would say... <laughs> this is what you think of. I love that. I'd say probably drowning. Eh, I think that I think you go quick, though. I think you're panicking, but it, but you but you'll you'll you know. I think you'll. I, I think it's less painful than. I mean, what do I know? But I feel like if you fell in a volcano, it'd be like. Wouldn't that be that be instant though, right? I don't know how. I, I don't know. Let's That's ask. Let, why don't we ask someone who's fallen in a volcano? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Okay. If any anyone listening to the show has fallen in a volcano, please let Ivis and I know. There you go. <laughs> we'll, we'll figure that one out. Um, <laughs> let's see. All right, my turn. This is definitely we, we've gone over. This is we're gonna have to wrap it up. One more. One more each, and then we'll. Okay. Then we'll actually, no. Who, who started it? You started. I did. So actually, you should be ending it right here. Uh, okay. This is the last question. Okay. Um, Oh, man, I got to think of a good one. Okay, if uh, if you could have a one week paid vacation uh, to go anywhere, where would you go? Uh, I would go to the Bahamas. On it's called San Salvador Island. It was the island where I taught wakeboarding. Island is awesome. I would go back there. Really? Yes. Anywhere it's, in the world, that's where you would You know, go. man, it's just, it's I, I, maybe it's because I lived out there, but, like, see, I, I, growing up in the desert, I like to explore. You know, I was able to, like, go out and, like, this island, there's no one that lives, it's one of those places where, like, no one lives. And, like, there's parts of it that you go to when you're on the beach and you look around and you feel like you're the first person, like, to touch that beach. You feel like you're the only person left in, like, in civilization of the world. And it's just, it's, I don't know, it's 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 comforting. It's, it's, hard, it's hard to explain. I don't know how to explain it. But in terms of, like, Scuba diving and snorkeling and and spear fishing it's just, it's awesome I love it uh, where would you go? Hmm, sounds pretty good. Uh, yeah, I'd have to think. I mean, obviously, I love Peru. I love going to Peru. Um, Italy, I think, man. I think I would want to spend a week in Italy and split it between Rome and uh, and Florence. There's a lot to see there. Uh, I feel you know the one time I did go to Rome, uh, it was pretty quick in and out three days. Um, for my tenth wedding anniversary, we went to Rome and Paris. Oh, nice! Uh, sp- split a week between the two, and it was like there's so much to see in Rome. Yeah. 
that you know zooming through everything in a few days just doesn't do it justice you want to just be able to sit and just kind of enjoy it and really just bask in it and and, and just look at all the monuments and uh, yeah, I think Italy, man. I think a, a, a one week, uh, especially since it's you know Europe is so expensive. So you're talking getting getting that paid one one week paid yeah. trip trip to Italy would be would be pretty good. I, I mean Hawaii, I've never been to Hawaii, but I don't know. For me, Italy and and I, I've never been to Florence, and I've heard just amazing things about Florence. So I'd probably go. Yeah, I'd go with the Florence Rome Italy combo. I went to Florence. Florence is awesome, and then we went down to Rome, but I got sick, so I did not get to see any of Rome. I didn't see the Coliseum, though. Oh, man. Yeah, it was bad. That's something wrong with my heart. And we went to the hospital. Then we figured, let's go to the new American hospital. That was the name of it. We're like, oh, they have to speak English there. Of course, no <laughs> one spoke English. And they did <laughs> And they did an EKG of my heart. And I swear, I mean, obviously, the equipment. I mean, this is when, this is like probably like 2004 when we went, I think. It's like 10 years ago. I was 16. And like the equipment was from like the 70s. I, I swear, I felt like I was getting plugged into the Matrix. It was the most surreal thing ever and my mom doesn't speak italian she's trying to talk to the doctors in italian it was, oh, it was if anyone's <laughs> gone to it I, I, I mean i don't know if you've You're ever totally gone to a hospital in a foreign country but like it's it's such a surreal experience it's like it's bizarre worst, worst tangent ever no it's oh, please, please, <laughs> coming coming from the guy who's who's the tangent expert on the show I, I am. I am. Well, now we now we all know you have a heart defect. Which no, I don't. I'm fine. Close. I think I just got. It was like I got a cold in my heart, but it was just like you had you had agita. <laughs> is that what it was? I don't even know what that is. It was you, something... had, you had heart. You had heartburn. No, no, it wasn't that. Is is I don't know the doctor. I don't know that. Well, first the doctor kept saying bambino, and my mom's like, oh yeah, he's being a baby. Like it was pretty it was, much. It was pretty much. I, I think that's maybe what it that was. That or you were pregnant. One or the other. <laughs> <laughs> but uh but Stupid. yeah no italy, italy at least great uh hey you know what i'd say what cape town south africa See, i knew you were gonna say south africa i had a feeling that you were gonna say that no but because listen cape town i mean great 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 city uh and if if we could if you know if i and i'm bringing i gotta be able to bring the family so bring the family we could do the safari we could do maybe some shark diving um where they where you go and, and you can you could see the flying sharks down there too uh the food's great you got you got a uh, Table Mountain, yeah. I think Cape Town Cape Town's honorable mention for me. So there you go. Okay, where would you go without the family? Come on, man. Who's trying to? Who's <laughs> trying to do it to me? They don't listen. My... They don't listen to this show. Come on. <laughs> what kind of guy you think I am? I'm taking my. Hey, look. I uh, but well, Vegas is pretty oh, good. If, if I'm thinking, if you could have like you know like a guys trip, guys where would you trip? go? Yeah. Uh, hmm. That's a good question. Guys trip. <sighs> Uh, Vegas probably. I guess Vegas is pretty good, man. I like Vegas. I'll go Vegas. All right. Pretty standard. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. Well, Rio. Re- hey, Rio. I'm not gonna lie. Rio's pretty good too. So we can go Rio. Rio. And you know what? No, Rio. I'm sorry. Okay, I changed my go. vote. I'm gonna go Rio. <laughs> my mistake. Okay. All right. All right. That's it. Let's All wrap right. it up. All right, Davis. Well, it's late for you. You need to wake up. You need to cover the U.S. Men's National Team game tomorrow, and everyone. Uh, follow the website, SuckerbyIvis.net, for the latest news for the U.S. men's national team. So, Ivis, I'll let you uh, hit the hay, man, and uh, we'll talk later this week, recapping the game, all right? Yes, sir. And as always, everyone, thank you for listening. Thank you for the reviews on iTunes. Throw us another one, review on iTunes. If you have not, Ivis and I appreciate the feedback. Am I right, Ivis? We, we want we want to hear some feedback. I know. I think we're going to have to start giving giving some prizes away or something. And you know what? I know oh we still gosh. have not. Why would you we say had... that? Oh. <laughs> I, I, I want to. I'm gonna bring. I'm gonna bring it up because I'm gonna get to the bottom of Scarf Gate this week. I'm gonna figure out who won that scarf contest pre World Cup, uh, and I will. I will. I will send the scarf to the winner, and, and that way our our buddy Amphibian can leave us can leave us alone, and uh, hopefully hopefully it was him, you know, because then he can be happy and and we can move on. But uh, yeah, obviously we won't. We I guess we can't have a new contest until. We resolve that last contest. Until Scarfgate's taken care of. Yes, we're working on that. That's happening. <laughs> oh, oh, we before I forget, uh, just a few quick, quick. Uh, I'm sure no one's even listening still at this point, but if you are, um, SBI, we have launched a new mobile version of SBI, uh, SoccerBibles.net. Um, so if you look, if you've ever tried to look at at the site on your mobile on your mobile device. Uh, and you've, if you go there now, you will see a mobile version. Uh, people seem to be pretty happy with it because um, I know not everybody 
everybody's devices could handle like our our basic site version. So hopefully that helps people out, uh, help, helps you uh, kind of take in the site. Uh, you know, so because we're, we're trying to, you know, we're trying to mix it up and, and trying to give readers a, a few more different options to, to check our stuff out. It threw me off first time I went to it. I was like, I hit you up right away. <laughs> and then I realized it was... It's we're still, yeah, yeah, we're still working out the kinks, um, you know, with, with some issues. Uh, but hopefully in the next couple of weeks, we'll uh, we'll get that rolling. And then uh, and then we'll have uh, at least one other uh, change to the site that uh, is coming soon. Ooh. Nothing crazy. Breaking Nothing news, Ivis. Bum, 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 bum. Come on, give us some no, news. No man, stay, stay tuned. You know, you know what I, you know what I, you know I. It's late. You know, what? I can't even talk anymore. I we need we need to wrap this up, Ivis. Yes, it's yes. late. You know, I know when it's late is when there's no tweets updating. That's when I know everyone's sleeping. We, you and I need to be asleep. So I haven't seen a tweet in thirty well, minutes. Well, that now, so. that and when you talk, start talking so fast that no one except like dolphins can understand you. <laughs> That's when it's late. Or anyone under the age of eighteen. Right. Yeah. Or, or, or meth heads. No, no, no. That's the demographic. I mean, I, you know, I, I'm the teenage and young, cool guy, and, and you're like the 30 year old, uh, you know, gra- grandpa wearing pants <laughs> demographic. You sound like Beavis on coffee. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's how you sound. No, I don't. Oh, you don't hear yourself, man. You start just. I never, I, I never even talk like that. What are you talking about? Exactly. It's like, <laughs> There you go. All right, man. I'm going to let you go. I'll talk to you later this week. All right, bud? All right, man. And as always, everyone, thank you for listening. Ivis and I will be back again later this week. This is the SBI Show.